Amen. Thank you, wonderful musicians, for blessing us in such a wonderful way, as you always do. Brother Paul was talking about he couldn't button his coat. I'm wearing a therapeutic vest. <laughs> you people on the front row are in danger of being impaled by a button. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We sure did. Uh, Susan and I had a quiet Thanksgiving. Our plans have been in a state of flux recently because of job changes, and so uh, it was a little different, but quite honestly, it was, it was pretty nice. We endured it and actually enjoyed it. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's my age. I don't know what it is. But I don't get excited with these advertisements that have the countdown for how many days there are to Christmas. One car dealer there in Jacksonville started with 62 days to Christmas, 61 days to Christmas, 60 days. I mean, they started midsummer. I mean, I just don't get excited about that. In fact, it kind of turns me off. I don't get excited when they start putting the decorations up. I mean, they, they put them up so early, it just, just seems out of place. I, I just, I don't like that. I don't like snowmen hanging from the light fixtures on the street, you know, in, in July in Florida. It just, it, it doesn't do a lot for me. But you know what does light my fire? You know what does get me excited? It's Thanksgiving. And the reason is, obvious. <laughs> the reason is I know just around the corner is Christmas and just around the corner is the new year and just around the corner are all the wonderful new and exciting things that a new year brings. So Thanksgiving for me is when I light the candle. That's when it starts for me. Not only just the holiday itself, but it just signifies the holiday season and it it gets me started and gets me ready to enjoy the, all the festivities of, of the holidays. I don't get excited about a lot of what the world says about Thanksgiving, but I do get excited about what God's Word says about Thanksgiving. And it's amazing that God's Word says several things about Thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles, be finding 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. And I want you to listen because the title of the message is The Thanksgiving Experiment. The Thanksgiving Experiment. That may sound like an unusual topic, but it's very biblical. The Thanksgiving Experiment. 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 10. You follow along. It will work out real good if you'll do it that way. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower both ministereth bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. There's that word. For the administration of this service, the word service there is is in the Greek, it's where we get the word liturgy. Liturgy, it means divine service that we render to God. It's different from rituals. 
you can have a ritual has nothing to do with service to God. But this is talking about liturgical things. It's talking about the service to God. Not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. There it is again, thanksgiving. Verse 13. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration... They glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And then verse 14. Now listen to it very carefully because I'm, when I close, I'm going to come back to this verse and it's going to be a blessing to you. Now listen to verse 14. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. The Thanksgiving experiment. There's one thing that you can learn from the Bible is how it unfolds itself, how it speaks to certain things and then it carries us from one topic to another and how it builds upon one as it builds toward the other. Uh, last week, I talked with you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I spoke about a verse, a particular verse. And it, it really is part and parcel of what I want to say this morning. It, there's a simple fact here in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians just before we get to the verses that I read to you just a moment ago. There is a simple fact. That's verse 7 of chapter 9. It says, Every man according as he purposeth it in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And I told you last week that word cheerful in the Greek language is, a, is actually a transliterated word, or, or in, the, in the language, the word is hilarious. I mean, that's where we get the word hilarious. It's word hilero. It means cheerful. It means Laughing out loud. God loveth a laughing out loud giver. That is a simple fact. But now we move to, to a spiritual fact. From a simple fact that we give to God to a spiritual fact. That's verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. The Bible says if we give with a gracious heart, with a, a giving heart, that's a simple thing to do. But out of that becomes a spiritual activity, and then out of that comes a scriptural activity. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, as it is written, when you see that, you should ask the question, where is it written? <laughs> and here it's Psalms chapter uh, 112 and verse 9. And here it says, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. These verses take us from a simple act to a spiritual act to a scriptural act. And this is teaching us a principle. It's teaching us what God wants to say to you through his Holy Spirit this morning. And this is what, it, what God is saying. God cares for the poor. God cares for the poor. When, when you look at this world, how God's heart must break 
when he sees the depravity of wealth and the absolute horrible situation that so many people are in who are so destitute and poor. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you, but listen, most of us will waste this week what most folks on this planet earn in a week. We are blessed beyond measure, and yet it seems like our blessing has become a curse. We, we hide behind the blessing, and we don't even acknowledge that it is God who does it. And so God blesses and cares for the poor. But let me tell you something that's even more practical and pertinent to this crowd here this morning. God cares for the poor, but God blesses those who care for the poor. God takes care of those who care for those who can't care for themselves. This is the Thanksgiving experiment. And it lays out right before our eyes. And here in this particular passage, God uses a farmer to help us to understand this. And so let's unpack this. Let's see what God might say to us out of the Thanksgiving experiment. First of all, I want you to notice in chapter 9, verse 10, the first part of verse 10, God meets our requirements. Look at verse 10, first part. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both ministereth food for your food. You see, it is God who provides everything we have. I've told you this before, and I'm probably going to say it again before I finish here. Everything you have above nothing, God gave you. You say, well, Brother Owens, I provide for my family. No, you do not. All you do is pass through. What God gives you, then you provide for your family. But you don't, you don't have, listen, the sense you have to earn a living, the energy you have to earn a living, the opportunity you have to earn a living is all of God. God gave that to you. God gives that to you. God continues to give that to you. It's not what you do. It's what God does through you. A moment we heard that song, the, every breath in our lungs is a gift of God. God gives us the ability to earn money. God gives us the ability to earn a living. God gives us the ability to care for our family. But don't get the idea you do it. It's God who does it. But he does it through you, through his people. God gives each of us the ability to do what we do. But the ability comes from God. Just like the farmer. Notice what the farmer does. The farmer sows the farmer, it's God who provides the seed. It's God who does the gestation period with the seed. It is God who provides the, the fruits of the harvest. It is God who provides the harvest. It's God who makes the bread. It's all behind the scenes, but God's involved in all of it. And when God does it, it meets our needs. God is able to meet the requirements that you and I have. Make no mistake about that. The Thanksgiving experiment starts with God meeting our requirements, but it quickly moves to God multiplies our resources. Again, look at chapter 9, verse 10, the last part. He says, He ministers bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. It, it is God who does it, but God also multiplies it. 
God not only meets our requirements, but he multiplies our resources. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, The Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Oh, we just run past that verse. But think about it. The Lord is able to do exceedingly. Now, if it stopped right there, that'd be good. But it says exceedingly abundant. That's over and above and beyond. And then he says, whatever is over and above and beyond abundantly, that's what you have above all. And then he says, it's over and above and beyond anything you can even ask for. It's over and above and beyond anything you can ask for or even think about. That's what God is involved in meeting in your life, in meeting the needs of your night. We stand astonished when we really stop and back off from all of this and get a view of all that God provides for us. That should lead to thanksgiving when you stop and see all. And, and God provides, you know, I'm a simple person. I, I'm not really a very spiritual person. I, I, I'm very simple-minded. And when I think of all that God provides for me, I know there's a wealth, there's a plethora of all that he provides for me. But, but I have to kind of get it down on my level. The other day, Susan, my beloved, sent me to the grocery store. Now, it's a new grocery store, and it's one of these high-end specialty grocery stores. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, these are nice. I mean, I walked in there, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm getting a thing of olives. There were olives from here to the other side of the platform. There's olives with pits, olives with no pits. There's black olives, there's green olives, there's olives with pimento, there's olives in oil, there's olives in rosemary sauce, there's olives in garlic sauce, there are olives with onions in the sauce. And I'm like, I just want a jar of olives. And I got to looking on there, some were from Israel, some were from Colombia, some were from Pakistan. Some were from faraway weird places like California. <laughs> now, I know that this is a little thing, and maybe this doesn't compute with you, but I, I don't have a, a huge computer up, upstairs. This is olives. And as I walk through the store, it's like that with everything. There's stuff in there. I didn't even know there was stuff like that. And even after I figured out there's stuff like that, I didn't know there was as many stuff like that. Take that and multiply it times 10 billion. And you begin to understand what God has provided for us. And it's a whole lot better than olives. God meets our needs. God not only meets our needs, he overly gives us our needs. He gives our needs, but he also multiplies our needs. Not only our requirements are met, but our resources are multiplied. The, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 and 22, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we stand astonished at his manifold grace and mercy and gifts and opportunities that he gives us. Make no bones about it. God meets our requirements and God multiplies our resources. But under this heading of God multiplies our resources, I want you to see how the, the, the Thanksgiving experiment really triggers, how it really begins to work. Look again at verse, verse 10, the last part. The Bible says, and he will multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You see, here's how it works, the Thanksgiving experiment. The more we give, the more we grow. The verse there says, he will multiply. He will increase your fruits of righteousness. God makes it so that no one who is generous is poor. When he gives of himself to others, it doesn't diminish what he has God multiplies what he has left. When you give because of, of God's blessing in your life and you give to those who are less blessed than you are, those who are needy, God not only meets their need, but God then takes care of you so that your resources are not diminished. Your resources are expanded and protected because you've given. I, let me give you an example of this. Several years ago when I was at the convention, one of my jobs at one of the conventions was to take two of our speakers to dinner. We kind of shuffled them around and got them to the hotel and to the place and also took them out to dinner. And there was two well-known well -known Baptist personalities. And we were having dinner together, and one of them started talking about a particular ministry that he was involved in, and it was in Russia. This is before Russia was open. And uh, he was talking about he was going to be doing some ministering there. And uh, he was talking to the other man about it. And I was just kind of listening in. And he made the comment. He said, uh, I'm trying to get some money together to, to help with that. And he said, I'm contacting some folks to see if they will help support that. And he said, I'm asking for $100 a person. And they were talking. God spoke to me as clearly as I'm speaking to you. God said, give him $100. I reached my bill phone, pulled out a $100 bill and handed it to him. He said, oh, Glenn, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to raise money here over dinner. I mean, you're already buying my dinner. Now you're going to give me $100? I said, I want to be a part of what, what, what you're doing. I, I, I don't even understand it all, but I believe it's of God, and I want to be a part of it. And he said, well, man, thank you. Thank you. He said, wow. He said, we need to go out to dinner more often, you know. I, <laughs> that was on a Tuesday night. That next week, I wasn't scheduled to preach anywhere, and I got a call on Friday from a church that it had a blow-up. I mean, a big blow-up. And they said, can you come Sunday and preach for us? We don't have anybody who can preach for us. Would you come Sunday? And I said, I'll be happy to. My schedule's clear. They said, Brother Owens, we can't even give you an honorarium. We can't even cover your car fare. We can't get you a motel. We can't do anything for you. And it was past Pensacola. I said, it's okay, I'll be there. So I get in the car and drive <laughs> all day <laughs> to get to uh, 
north of Pensacola. And so I'm over there and I preach and it was, it was a tough situation. It was just a tough situation. But I did the best I could. After the service, a man walked up to me and he said, Brother Owens, he said, thank you for coming. He said, that message was right on target. You've helped us. Thank you for filling in for us today. Please pray for us. And he said, I want to give you something. And he put something in my hand, shook hands. Well, I'm not going to look at it, you know. I mean, that's kind of tacky. Wow, look, look, whoa, look what I got. So I just put it in my pocket and went on to the car. I got in the car. It was two $100 bills. Coincidence, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, the more you give, the more you'll get when you give with the right attitude. It's just a principle. It's an experiment that God gives to us to see if we're going to take him up on it. The more we give, the more we get. The more we give, the more we grow. You see, as you begin to trust God, he begins to bless you. And God takes not only what you have, but he grows it. And he grows it not only in what he does with it, but what he does in you. The Bible says being enriched in everything. There is so much here in this passage. And this passage is not so much a promise as it is a principle. Now there are promises in the word of God that are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. But you have to be careful about some of those. Some of those are in particular situations for particular times, especially in the Old Testament. So you can't take those principles and just bring them whole hog over into the New Testament. But what you can take is the principles involved. God is a God of decency and order, and he does things in order, in principle with us, because he knows that's how best we operate. We don't operate in a vacuum. We have to have some go-by to go-by. So sometimes God gives us promises, but more times than not, God gives us principles to follow, a pattern to follow. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. The more we give, the more we grow. The more we grow, the more we get. And the more we get, the more we give. Look at chapter uh, 9, verse 11, the last part, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. God's blessing should lead us to even greater blessings to others. You and I are believer priests. We're not only engaged in prayer and worship like a priest would be, but we're also involved in hands and feet of ministry in helping others. That's the minister part of us. Thus, even the mundane activities are raised to new heights when you and I are involved in the priestly duties of ministering to others. God meets our requirements every time. God multiplies our resources every time. But last but not least, God magnifies the results. Look, if you will, in verse 12 and following. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, in other words, the needs are met with the poor. When you help them, their needs are met immediately but is abundant also by many thanksgivings to God. This is what it does for you. You've heard the, the, the line, it's more blessed to, to give than to receive. It really is true. It really is true. You say, well, Brother Owens, I don't believe that. Then, then start giving. 
then start giving. You don't know what, I'm, what you're talking about when you say it's not true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I'm telling you, when you meet a need in somebody's life, it's a lot more than what somebody might give you. And when you give of yourself, God has a marvelous way of blessing you. Verse 13, whilst by the experiment of the administration, they glorify God for your professed subjection under the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. What happens with the Thanksgiving experiment? Well, number one, the poor are relieved. The needs are met. The, the situation is abased. Whatever is, is there that has to be taken care of is taken care of. But if you're not careful, that's as far as we see it. We just see the need being met, the stomach being filled, the shoes put on the person, the coat put on his back. We see the needs being met, and that's all that we see. But you see, verse 12 also tells us that when we do that, praise is raised to God. Not only the poor are relieved, but praise is raised. God is glorified. Because when I do that, I'm following the pattern that God has for me. And when I'm obedient to God, God blesses my obedience. You see, in the Christian life, understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. There's some things you may never fully understand down here, but you obey God because you obey God. You may or may not ever understand why that was the way it was or why that took place the way it did. You may never understand that here. You will one day. So you can't wait for understanding in the Christian life. You go on the promises and principles of God and then you launch out by faith and trust him that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. The poor relief, praise is raised, profession is reinforced. Verse 13 says we grow as Christians. You grow as Christians not by just studying your Bible and praying, as, as important as that is. But you grow as Christians when you get involved. For years, we in the Southern Baptist Convention leaned on the cooperative program to do missions. I'm all for the cooperative program. Amen. Amen on the cooperative program. But if you're not careful, many churches give to the cooperative program and never give of themselves. That's why maybe, Lowell, what, 20 years ago, churches really started getting involved in mission trips. It was kind of a new thing. It was kind of the thing to do. And so churches started taking mission trips. They, they would take a group of their people and actually go somewhere and do something. And what happened was it didn't diminish the cooperative program. What happened was the people went to see what was happening on the mission fields and they realize it's our money that we give through the cooperative program that's helping those folks over there. But they got to see it, and they got to touch them. They got to taste it. They got to smell it. They got their hands dirty. And in doing that, it enhanced the whole mission of the church. Now, some churches, I'll have to say this, some churches got so involved in hands-on mission, they quit giving to the cooperative program. They, they just took the money and moved it over here. When if they would trust God, they should keep giving to the cooperative program and trust God that he's going to raise up this over here. It's not either or, it's both and. 
And this is exactly what the Bible is telling us. When we grow and when we give of ourselves more than just lip service, it affects us. And when we give, the need is met, but it boomerangs into our life by blessing us. Why am I saying all this today? Well, next Sunday we're going to take, what is it, 14 offerings? I don't know, several. <laughs> we're going to ask you to come forward and, you know, just drop your visa card in there and we'll take care of the rest of it if you... You won't have to worry about a thing other than a month from now. You might be worried, but next week you have an opportunity to do several things. To give a toy to a needy child. To, to make a pledge so that we have some understanding of where we, we think in this roadmap called a budget for next year. Uh, to, to give a sacrificial gift if you want to. To give your tithe, to give an offering. There's several things you do to give to uh, foreign missions, to give to Lottie. we got to get Lottie home one of these days. and So we want you to give to that and, and support that, what we do through our International Mission Board. So there's several things you can give. Don't look at it this way. Oh, no, i got to give some more. Look at it this way. My, how God's going to bless. He's going to meet the need, but he's also going to bless me because nobody's got my arm up behind my back making me give. I'm going to give out of my heart. And when I give out of my heart, guess what? God fills my heart. And guess what? You're not going to run out because as you give, he increases your resources and multiplies what's given. Only God can do that. You don't go down, you go up, and the need's met. But the last thing here is something I'll have to admit, I had never really seen this in this verse until this week. I was studying through this, and I saw verse 14. And it says, By their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, you see, the Thanksgiving experiment, not only are the needs met, the poor are relieved. And the Thanksgiving experiment, not only is praise raised to God. And the Thanksgiving experiment, not only is profession reinforced in your life and you grow as a Christian, but in the Thanksgiving experiment, prayer is revived. Notice the prayer here. I, I've not seen this. I'll just have to admit, I've not seen it. Those that you help are now praying for you. What is it, seven billion people on planet Earth? I don't know what the latest number is, especially this morning. I hadn't kept count this morning. Do you know how special it is for somebody to pray for you? One of seven billion people. I have people all the time come up to me, especially during the interim time, and they say, Brother Glenn, we're praying for you. And I appreciate that so very much. In fact, one of the things I hate when, I, when an interim is over, I feel the prayers leave. I, I just feel it leave. When your new pastor comes, pray for your pastor. He needs the support, and you need the prayer. <laughs> But how sweet is it that the people you help are praying for you? 
Now, they may not give a long liturgical prayer. But that person you help may just say, Oh, bless you. Bless you for helping me. That prayer's heard. That prayer's heard. And I believe that prayer's answered. Oh, listen, don't look at this time of year of a time of what you can give. Look at it as a time of what you can get by giving. Look at the whole picture. Look at the full cycle. The Thanksgiving experiment. The more you give, the more you grow. The more you grow, the more you get. The more you get, the more you give. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, don't miss next Sunday. Not only for the toys, but we're going to divulge the number. And let me tell you, it's a good number. And I believe it's even going to grow this week. It's a good number. I'm so proud of you for what you've committed already. It's going to be a good Sunday. And I'm preaching next Sunday under this title, Faith is the Victory. In fact, I hope we can sing that song, Faith is the Victory. Because, ladies and gentlemen, listen, I'll give you a short preview of next week. You say, well, we don't have time. Yes, you do. The victory next Sunday is not the amount of money we raise. The victory next Sunday is the amount of faith that has been exhibited to raise the amount of money we're going to raise. Faith is the victory. Not dollars. That's how we keep score. But faith is the victory. I'm just telling you, folks, when you trust by faith what God can do, God opens the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There will not be room enough for you to receive. We do it by faith. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for this morning. Thank you for all that you've taught us from your word about Thanksgiving and this experiment that you have for us to try. When we give with the right heart, the needs are met. But that's only part of it. The real miracle is when it comes back to us as reinforcement for us to do more. And you do that because you love us. And you're going to take care of your children. So Lord, I pray during this holiday time we will find someone somewhere who's less fortunate than we and not make a big deal out of it, but just minister to them in Jesus' name. Give of ourselves in Jesus' name. Do something that cost us in Jesus' name. And watch the need being met and watch the boomerang come right back to us as you bless our lives. This morning, for somebody here who's never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord of life, I pray today would be the day they would simply say yes to that free gift of salvation offered by Christ. On that cross, he stretched out his arms and said, I love you this much. It's there for the taking. We receive it by faith. We trust God that he did what he did because he loved us. I need forgiveness. And you offered forgiveness through Christ. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
Maybe there are others here today who need to rededicate their lives. They're Christians. Find members of this church, but we've just let some things slide in our life. There's not that thrill and excitement that we once had. Maybe it's just dulled our life a little. You're still where we left you if we'll go back and pick up where you are. Maybe through an act of rededication, we can do that today. Start that love affair that we have with you, anew and afresh. Maybe there are those who need to join this church by letter or statement or any other way she'd receive members. Maybe there are other decisions. Maybe some just need to come at this altar and kneel and acknowledge that you're God and they're in need of whatever assistance you can give them. But by coming, they make that need so apparent to you. Bless now the invitation time. May it glorify Jesus, our Lord and our Savior.